Hello, everybody. Welcome to Banana Split Podcast, episode 21. Today, we have a wonderful Star Wars special. Recently, the beautiful Star Wars The Last Jedi was released in cinemas throughout the entire world, and Patrick, David, and myself had the privilege of seeing it in the big screen, and we're going to give you your thoughts. But before that, gentlemen, how are we today? Oh, hi, Vin. How are you doing? It's so good to be here. I'm having a very good time. I missed you so much. <laughs> Greg, why why you talk like this for? Do we really have to do the Star Wars? Can't we just do the Disaster Artist? I mean, yeah, it's such a good film. But... Oh, I f- totally forgot about that. You know, that movie is an all-American movie. Uh, How can Hollywood. you forget? It's such a classic there, Vin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yes, uh, get get rid of the, the Tommy Wiseau for a second, but uh, both of us, we've seen The Disaster Artist, and seeing it in a packed crowd in the advanced screening in the city was such an exhilarating experience. Uh, both of us, we laughed, we cried, but we didn't hurt each other, yeah. and uh, a, lot of, a lot of amazing moments. I think James Franco, if he doesn't get an Oscar nomination, or at least a Golden Globe win, I'll be very, very disappointed. David, what are your thoughts? I totally agree with that. The live experience, like that cinema was just packed full of the room fans and everyone was just laughing at, you know, James Franco just laughing as Tommy or just all the inside references of the movie and certain scenes. And, but not just that, not just when it was touched on the room, it was just a genuinely funny film throughout the whole process. It wasn't an impersonation or parody in any way. Um, and the performances um, by the Franco brothers um, and um, the supporting cast um, and the general story. And like, yeah, like you walked away from that movie just happy in general, just like as a better person because Tommy Wiseau is sort of like this little figure of just like he pursued his dream he did it he did his american dream didn't go the process that he sort of planned to but you know he 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 just didn't let anyone tell him no otherwise um or anything like that and like you know that's nothing but inspirational and like yeah so anyone who hasn't even seen the room can still enjoy the disaster artist um but yeah being a inside room fan especially if you've been to the midnight screenings where they do all the um, uh, the, the movie games and um, throwing spoons and stuff and all that. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely yeah. I hope I hope it doesn't get Oscar snubbed. Um, anything like that, both as Jane Franco's um, performance and as a director as well. I think it was a very good um, uh, directed movie as well. Um, but yeah, we're hitting award season right now. We a lot of good movies are coming out. Uh, free billboards. Um, I saw uh, an advanced screening with Margaret and Dave from the movies. Uh, that was that was fantastic. Um, that's sort of my like because it doesn't come out to here to New Year's Day. I can't classify it as like my 2017 movie of the year. Um, I'll talk about that. Um, I think in our next episode we're going to be doing um, our top movies of the year and games and stuff. So look forward to that um, next week, fans. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, just like. The Disaster Artist, um, uh, Free Billboards, and this, um, um, oh, what's that? What's the, um, Gamera del Toro movie? Um, the Shape of Water. That's supposed to be fantastic. Um, like this noir fairy tale, um, uh, that's just getting rave reviews. And, um, also, um, oh, um, another movie, um, oh, something bird or something like that. I remember reading about one where there's, um, a girl that, discovers that she can control a kaiju depending on her mood it's like a kind of dark comedy with jason bateman and she there's all these reports coming in of some giant godzilla type creature um running amok in asia and then they play around with it and they realize that they're actually controlling these monsters her and a boyfriend as well so it's just or it's it's not every time they have like domestic row it's like it forms out in a kaiju battle in a city pretty much that's a fantastic premise yeah yeah it's definitely an original idea and one that actually it's not just good because it's a novel but also apparently a really good film so another one of those out for cultural yeah um yeah so obviously like all these award show movies they're all being mm. loomed by the giant Disney, Lucasfilm, Shadow, looming across the cinemas um, for the next couple of weeks, for the end of the year, pretty much. Um, yeah, it's Star Wars The Last Jedi. So mm. we've all seen it. Um, and from everyone's feedback, basically online or everything like that, it's a very polarizing movie. So mm. let's see what if we are on the same page. Because we haven't discussed the movie at all between us ourselves. So no. we're, we're, we left that honesty up in front on the mic for us for your, your fans. To um, yeah, get the general perspective of what we thought about uh, episode eight. 
yeah. going to try and keep it somewhat spontaneous. Um, now, I only saw it on Sunday. Today is Wednesday, so it's percolated a little bit. Still fresh in your mind, I see. Yeah. Um, I've, I've seen it twice to get my mind... Now, should we keep this spoiler-free or with no, spoilers? No, spoiler everything. Because spoiler everything? Yeah. Yeah. The internet is doing it. Like, you know, I mean, there are thousands of um, websites and YouTube videos just putting out every things of the plots and the story. For me, it would be too hard to talk about yeah. without... Like the number of scenes I want to reference, and it's like, well, that spoils it. That spoils it. So right, I don't so know how I talk about it. Banana Split fans, this review is not spoiler-free. Not spoiler-free. All right, please proceed. You're being warned. Three, two, two one. one. Great. Okay. Um, well, I had the the thing is every time I saw a movie with either you guys or my friends, they all would always show the trailer, and I would always close my eyes and try and block out my ears. So I would not see the trailer, any visual imagery that would spark my interest. I didn't know about the Porgs yeah. until watching the film. Wow, that, you did well avoiding that. Yeah, I didn't know anything about They've been that. been everywhere. Um, so Which are not mentioned in the film as Porgs. No, but probably. yeah, but if you go to the toy aisle and everything, like there's mm. so much Porg merchandise. Mm. And, yeah. you know, Grado's just like, okay, this is going to be the little Disney merchandising thing or anything yeah. like that. But they're actually cute and, you know, they have the little moment in the movie. And yeah. I wasn't offended by them or anything like that compared to like some of the marketing used in the prequel yeah. movies. Um, but yeah, it's just like, you they know. They didn't go full Ewok with them. They just kept them around. Don't you knock like... the Ewoks, mate. Don't you the... <laughs> yeah. Turn of the Jedi is still the best Star Wars movie. Um, yeah. Oh, well, that's, okay. That's an argument You're going there, right? Yeah. Sorry, Empire for me. <laughs> uh, that's going old trilogy. But um, I watched it with a clear mind and a clear focus. And I thought, first of all, we can all agree that it was visually stunning. Yes. Uh, yes. There's yeah. a lot of. Um, the thing is that you can see a lot of films that don't really describe the force in a very uh, visually engaging way. And what Ray did, you know, mm. exploring that Force universe and how Mark Hamill described to close your eyes and just to have those beautiful adjectives fed to her and then to visually process that through the animation was, was great. You know, I felt enthralled by it. I reckon that one scene did more to explain about um, what the Force was more than the, the prequels yeah. did with whole midichlorian yeah. rubbish. Right. Like, like, what is they, they didn't mention them and they almost like turn them on their head as any kind of uh, like canon it's just I think yeah. Ryan, Ryan Johnson did on purpose basically mm. like um, and as I said like alright so let's just talk about obviously there's been so much debate this is about this movie mm. let's just get a quick sum up Vin did you like the film yeah I did as a Star Wars film and as a film on yeah. both ends <laughs> we'll go into that deeper okay as a Star Wars film yes Yep. Yes, I did. And Patrick? Yes. Yeah, I've heard that that a lot of people are saying it's a good Star Wars film, but not really a good movie. Um, I enjoyed it in both respects. Um, I'm an easy mark for stuff like this. Yep. Ooh, space! I'm in ten out of ten. <laughs> and but, I've heard the um, I've heard the opposite, where it's like um, everyone's saying it's a great film, but it's not the Star Wars they want. It's not what they. Oh, well, maybe I've got them turned around. But can yeah, you please but... the fans? The Star Wars fans are the most viciously critiqued people yeah. on the planet you're never going to please more everyone, than star so. trek is huh sorry it's mm. trek fans um yeah so i got a feeling it's always it's going to over time stand as one of the most rewatched star wars films and uh, empire had the same thing empire really remade what sequels what defined a sequel because back then sequels were like oh yeah let's just do what worked in the first one bigger and better make some money off it and stuff um and they're usually like you know not as regarded as the first one where Empire did the dark turn of like the space adventure, space opera adventure that A New Hope was. Um, you know, that completely just like, okay, you can actually take these characters you love, have a dark turn, um, and all that, give them real conflict and stuff, and like, yeah, set it up for uh, another film. And um, we're so used to that now because, you know, that really set a template for all the sequels we've grown up with. So I think you could look back at The Last Jedi as something like, we can take your expectations get rid of them, establish our own, even foreshadow it in the film as much as we can to tell you this isn't what you expect, this isn't going to go how you think it's going to go, mm. and yeah, and then open it up to new interpretations. It did take some sharp left turns and really surprised me. That whole thing with Poe and Rose, I love that story. I've got a friend that hates it. Sorry, Finn and Rose? Um, yes, yeah. not Poe. Well, Poe organised the whole mission, so I got that mixed up. It was Poe's little idea of um, saving everyone because he thought... Holdu, um, Laura Dern from Jurassic Park fame, uh, was the new commander when uh, good old uh, Leia gets knocked out 
for a moment and uh yeah he doesn't think she's gonna do what it takes to and he basically does what he did in the beginning of the film and disobeys and pretty much does a mutiny to do this thing which you think you know and this is a fairly big spoiler you really think he's going to pull it off again you know there'll be some loss of life possibly but he'll save the day and it just completely backfires and a lot of people seem to be upset with um that that it went on too long and just kind of meandered and the casino planet you know like i don't know i thought it was fun i liked it i like i liked it it just like um it took us away from Mm. the main thing it's like it's um but what happened was basically like yeah it, it resulted in nothing happening but what the real thing is the journey between Finn and Rose. Mm. Um, Finn's character growth from being like a cowardly stormtrooper to like a, a brave fighting rebel who wants to sacrifice his life, who, you know, literally wants to go to rebel scum. And Rose is actually the heart of the film, if you think about it. It's just mm. like um, her actions um, throughout the scenes and then um, um, stopping um, Finn from sacrificing himself. Um, for the greater good, she says, "Like you don't kill yourself for your enemies, you save your friends. That's what really what hope yeah, is." Yeah, it's, it's you're not the motivation is not um, about hate. It's yeah. a, you're fighting for what you love, and that's all the undercurrent story of just like how the force is about the, the new hope in the Star Wars universe is not Jedi's or and Sith battling each other for the good of evil. It's everyday people becoming the heroes of thing. And mm. that's what was touched upon in Luke Skywalker's story of like discarding the legend um, yeah, the of Ruby... his heroism and just like mm. making everyone become the hero they want to be. And yeah. that was fantastic as well. So you want to, it, there's so much to talk about in this film. We're going to be yeah, jumping to left and right. I mean, so. They really pivoted away from this whole Lucas style, um, like, George Lucas was all about the royal bloodline and you had to have the midi-chlorians and this, you know, special pass down from, you know, and everyone was worried about, well, what, well that means Ray's part of some kind of, you know, um, royal blue-blooded lineage and who's her father and um, Mark Hamill was even playing a prank with fans at uh, one of the anniversary shows and referred to her as his daughter, I mean, colleague, and you know, got a lot of tongues <laughs> wagging. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it turns out, in fact, that, you know, if it's to be believed um, that Kylo Ren tells her, you know, her parents are just nobodies. And that le- leads more towards a sort of, yeah, the little guy fighting against um, the system, which is kind of uh, bookended by the final scene, which is the first ever final scene, which doesn't feature a Skywalker um, with the little boy and his rebel ring. Yeah, the Force-sensitive so, um, boy who just mm. like, you know, it's just like... You know, he's one with the force, and like this ain't training or anything like that. It's just optimism and hope, yeah. um, which mm. is on that, which is they're trying to. Yeah, the, the rebels are gone now. It's like you know they're a ragtag left on a ship. They're pretty much gone Battlestar Galactica style mm. um, on the rebel faction, and it's like well now like yeah the the rest of the hope is the rest of the the, the universe to stand up against the first order and the, the remnants of the galactic empire. Mm. Um, so yeah, like episode nine is going to be really interesting. Like how they're going to take that on. Um, but that's two years away, so... Yeah, um, plenty um, of time to think. Yep. Uh, what I love about this film um, was really talking about the grey lines between right and wrong. And the casino was a great example of how people were selling weapons to the Empire, but they are also selling weapons to the Rebel mm. Alliance. And it's like, who's right here? They're just trying to make a living, but they're also corrupt. And I th- props to the, like Rose for just standing up for what she believes in. But going back to Poe and his like, hero-ness of going in like like the Millennium Falcon, like Han Solo mm. back in the days, that was celebrated in the original trilogy, you know, being a badass, going one-man army sort of thing. But here, it really talks about consequence yes. yeah. as a hero. And there was so much sacrifice in the beginning. And when Leia told him, you know, just retreat, man. You don't need to be this wise-ass pilot. He didn't, like in typical like trilogy style, and yet people got killed for it. Yeah, that opening battle scene against the Dreadnought, like one of the best... Um, Star Wars um, space battles, you know, since mm. Rogue One, um, but they're really starting a trend of like really getting those space battles. It was a scene right. where um, Kylo Ren flipped his spaceship. Apparently, it was a shot-for-shot um, remake of Anakin Skywalker doing the same thing in his spaceship. Like he did a really cool flip. Yep. You up upside down and left and right, and um, yeah. So that was there's so many nods to previous films and. Yep. Yeah, and sorry. it's going go the argument of like Poe Dameron like you know it's just like 
you know, one-man army charging to, like, take out the Dreadmoor. It's like, yeah, they took out a Dreadnought, but they lost the entire bombing squad. Like, yeah. you know, and just like, yeah, and like, you know, Leia trying to give the lessons to him is just like, no, you need to be the leader that we need, you know, yeah. and mm. stuff and take over because, you know, she's, I don't know, maybe she's hinting that she sort of knows what's going to happen to her or how yeah. things are going to play out with the Force and, and stuff. She seems pissed, but, I mean, in the long run, wasn't it sort of a necessary sacrifice? Because if they still had that Dreadnought later on when they're being chased, uh, wouldn't it have had the, the range to no, just true. take yeah. them out? Yeah, So... But they would still have a whole squadron of bombers and fighters, which they had massive losses. Yeah, so as I said, like I like what it's doing with uh, like Rogue One. It's like it's putting faces to people on the battlefield. Like you know, it's like it really showing the war aspect of the um, uh, the um, resi- resistance against the First Order. Um, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, there's just so much I did enjoy about this film. I will admit, when I first watched the movie, I left the cinema not knowing if I enjoyed the film. I knew it was just like, there's some great directing, there's some great cinematography, and I liked the difference they made. But it was that feeling of just like, that's not the Star Wars I'm used to. Mm. And it's like, the build-up of just like, this is going to be the next um, Empire Strikes Back. Um, or anything like that. It really took the second going for me to actually, with no expectations, um, with everything like this, just to clearly see everything that was being... Um, taken away from the universe ending the Skywalker stuff and moving on on this new path when I really like oh wow this is actually fantastic this film definitely is about passing of the torch literally yes you know with the passing of uh, Carrie Fisher Mm -hmm. uh, Luke's fate of course and of course Han Solo in the previous film this is about a a new bloodline of of stories of new stories Mm -hmm. to tell and they're not the Skywalker family they are not of this legendary family or at least hinted by Kylo Ren. Yeah, it's pretty much no one left, right? So, basically, um, the, the film is just telling fans that this is a new generation of films for all these kids, right? Of, like, Star Wars fans. Um, whereas the J.J. Abrams film was that bridge. It was a bridge between old and new fans. This one is an entirely different direction and journey. And I loved it because, as you say, the expectation... Like, I was going left and right, you know, when the final scenes, when uh, Finn was going through the beam through the uh, AT Walker, I'm like, I think he's going to die. I think he's going to die. Oh, shit, he didn't die? What? The, the music, like, the whole build-up was just like, no, he's going to, you know, he's fully reached his fully arc. He's going to grow. Like, his mission yeah. was a failure, and now he's going to do it. And I fully thought he was going to yeah. get yeah. taken out. I was like, this has gone really Game of Thrones. Yeah. But... And then Rose went to join her sister. Now, I've got to say, my favorite film, sorry, scene out of the entire film was Yoda, hands down. Like, the cinema went bananas. Puppet Yoda. Oh, my God. Puppet Yoda. I was in the wrong cinema then. That's what I get for going to Gosford to watch it. Yeah. And then everyone's everyone's like, hey, hey, look. And the kid next to me was like, Dad, look, it's that green guy. (laughs) And, um, yeah, it was was amazing. Because, again, Yoda is that symbol of, like, old school and then new school. Because he's, like, both a CGI character and a puppet character. Well, for the first time right? since the original movies, they used a puppet. And Frank Oz basically confirmed it when press asked him if he was involved. And he said, uh, I've signed a contract which says I can't confirm or deny, which <laughs> pretty much confirms it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And then since then, obviously, it's come out that he's built the puppet. And it seems to work so much better, as always, you know, you know when yeah. they can act too. A living thing. And you could tell, like, Mark Hamill, like, the relationship and that he had with Yoda and stuff, like, you go from this grumpy, mopey guy on an island, you know, sort of like, Mm. okay, I see something in Ray, I'm going to teach her. But when he he runs into R2 on um, uh, the Millennium Falcon, it's just like, he's he's back to Tatooine Luke. It's just like, buddy, like, young Luke again. And then, like, yeah, yeah, and then seeing Yoda again, it's just like their banter between each other, where, like, Yoda. You know, what is just like trying to, you know, teach you I have not, like, you know, like, really, their, their relationship hasn't changed since the last time they saw each other mm. back on um, um, uh, Dagobah. He's still that headstrong little kid that needs a, you know, his whole world turned upside down. Yeah. Before him. Now, I want to talk about something which uh, probably is controversial on the internet, and that is the, the high use of humor in uh, yeah. maybe yeah. In inappropriate times sometimes. But what are your thoughts on that? Because the Facebook fans and internet fans are like, Whoa, it's become very Disney-like now. Mm. So, yeah. I'm pretty happy with it. There was one scene I loved where she's he's teaching her the first lesson. Obviously, this is Luke and um, Ray. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she puts her hands out and he's like, can you feel the force? Reach out and she Reach physically out. reaches out. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. And he tickles yeah. her hands with her. Uh, Do you feel it? Do you feel it? <laughs> she's like, yes. 
and that was that worked <laughs> within the scene. It felt very Star Warsy, and it just it felt like something Luke Skywalker would do. Yeah. Um, there was some other stuff that was a bit more jarring, almost Thor-like, but you know. I think I, that's where the comparison the itself. People are people are ready to pounce on Disney owning Star Wars and do yeah. a thing, and they're just going. They're, they're going to compare it to Guardians and Thor. It's just like you're making this too funny. Mm. And it's just like, yeah, it's hilarious, and like the humor was great. And sometimes, sometimes it got stretched out a little bit, but that's with every any film. And at the same time, um, uh, with um, uh, Star Wars, is you got to remember this movie is not to make people happy of the people who grew up with the original trilogies and stuff and all that they're trying to get a new audience there are kids mm. you know it's like they, you know it's been 70 it's literally been 40 years since yeah. a new hope it's yeah like, i mean it was released on the anniversary of the 40th there's, anniversary there's so many cringy jokes in those movies in the mm. time mm. that we all hold so dear of yeah. you scruffy little nerf herder and all that stuff yeah. and stuff like that I'm sure back then the was just like what is this dialogue that's why are you trying to be funny during this battle scene and it's the same criticisms and stuff it's just like and as so, Harrison Ford always said if you can't you can write it but you can't say it yeah um, and there was a few clunky lines delivered by Ray in the beginning where she's trying to convince Luke to teach her um, that have copped some criticism as well where she's just like well they're bad and we have to do the good thing and that's you know she might have. She yeah she never answered the question properly. She goes, "Why are you here?" More. He goes, "You know, the, I'm here from your sister. The Rebel Alliance needs you, and blah blah blah." But like he, she he, she wasn't being truthful to him. Yeah, she's just acting like a messenger to bring Luke back. That's... And I think that works because actually, as you say, he's trying to get to the root of why she's really let us or kind of made the journey because she's palming it off with some rote line about you know, being needed by um, the Rebel Alliance and all that, but that's not really why she's there. And he's kind of brushing past that because he's, you know, got to the point where he can just sense when anything's amiss and doesn't want any bullshit and will just, you know, call her on any kind of falsity. So, no, I think that works. That That's why the lines are delivered badly is so he can brush them aside. Mm. I thought the fight choreography was it was incredible, uh, especially during the middle of the movie with the uh, the red guards and then oh, Kylo. They finally get to, you finally get and, to see those guys actually fight. Absolutely, and the thing is, like, uh, I'm a fan of, of fight films, and it, ha- it was akin to like Hong Kong cinema where there were like long takes, long mm. wide shot takes. None of this JJ Abrams like cutting every three seconds uh, on every impact, and and then there was this moment where like Ray was like giving the lightsaber to Kylo Ren and then he pokes the, the guard oh that was eye. beautiful Great our, angle. that was like, one Whoa. of the scenes in, our, in my cinema it wasn't so many geek reactions but there was a lot of reactions to you know kinetic visceral stuff like that where he suddenly just turns it on and Boom! Blows away half this guy's like, head. Everyone in the cinema just went, "Holy fuck!" <laughs> like, yeah, that was real. I can't believe but... we did that in a Disney movie. Um, Such a great fight scene. The, the training paid like, off, and it was a payoff. Obviously, like the whole build-up of the film is like, um, like, is Ray going to turn? Is mm. um, Kylo Ren going to turn, or anything like that? The funny thing is, is just like with this film, it's like everyone's going, "Oh, this is the next Empire Strikes Back." This was a lot of a Return of the Jedi film. Um, to basically like you know the whole um, Luke confronts the Emperor um, at the end of the film against his father and stuff and like yeah they wiped out Snoke they realized no Snoke is not important this is not um, what the focus is the stuff Mm -hmm. like this superior evil being trying to manipulate the galaxy it's just like yeah they took him out Um, and like it also explained the force better with like he can read Kylo's thoughts of like what he wants to do but it's not as clear he's not it's like you can feel these feelings, these genuine feelings of like yeah. wanted to kill and end um, the struggle for finally. And it's like, but it's actually against Snow. He's like, yeah, he's right. revol- resolved himself and he's finally stopped being torn between two sides. Yes. And misreads it completely. Yeah. So that was really cool. And yeah, and I love the uh, conversations between Ray and Kylo, um, Force Telepathy, whether Snoke, you know, use that to communicate and stuff like that. Mm. I just thought it was good storytelling. Um, anything like that and you just felt their relationship you know, from the end of episode 7 where it's just like you know they had this just brutal at each other fight just like you know just scrapping and trying to kill each other um, or anything like that now to go from this like they can feel each other's pain and you know actually you know there's a little bit more do you think there's going to be a love story there in like episode uh, 9 a struggle or like well, what happened in no. number 7 I'm a bit still I didn't do the full <laughs> um, road train through every movie then watch this one I pretty much just 
let everything sit in the background in my head. And I wish I had seen them all again because, uh, yeah, when Rose kisses Finn, I'm like, wait, didn't he have a thing with Ray? So he sort of does. I think, I think, um, I think Finn in Force Awakens sort of had like this idolistic look Mm. on Ray, just like, you know, you're a pretty girl, but I think more of their friendship became more close. And I think they're actually hitting more towards, um, uh, Ray and Poe. Because oh. they finally get to meet each other for yeah, the first time. That, that blows me away that the they've never met. Jedi. Until I, oh, hi, yeah. how are you? I've yeah. heard you've done great things. Yeah, so. yeah that's great. Um, but Yeah, I, I thought that the kiss from Rose at the end was very sudden. Um, mm. I, I didn't see the build-up of romance or at least some physical tension in between it. I think maybe the journey between them was strong, talking about their moral values and what their beliefs are through the casino. The, the casino was very detailed. It's very akin to like a cantina. Uh, with seeing the different cultures of aliens and humans and stuff. Yeah, but, that's uh, what I loved. And apparently Mark Hamill played the CGI character who keeps trying to put money in BB-8. Oh, the leprechaun. Yep. Is that what you call it? Okay. <laughs> well, it looked like um, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and what he did was he went to, was it Ryan... Johnson. Johnson. See, it was on the tip of my tongue. Um, love his other movies, of course, Brick and Looper. And I was so happy to um, hear that he's he's pulled this off. And then to see it in all its full glory. But anyway, so Mark went to Ryan and said, look, I've done CGI characters before. I've got an idea for one in this film. And just bluffed his way into it. So that was really sort of one of those cute little stories. Well, obviously, Mark was sceptical going into this um, film franchise and stuff. So I think Mm. they were more than happy to go, yep, sure, Mark, let's give it a try. And and the thing is, he was lying because he's never played a CGI character before. Fantastic. (laughs) Such a scammer. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. what else do I want to talk about? There's so many things. Let's yeah. talk about Captain Phasma, who was oh, she there. finally kind of got to be a badass, but obviously that. I don't think she's dead. Yeah, I mean, yeah, left yeah. hanging. I think she'll so come too. back with a scar or two. <laughs> she'll be like maybe. melted face from yeah. the broken helmet with a vengeance against Finn, the rebel scum, um, or anything like that. Like, yeah, it's just like, you know, if we got to see her and Finn have a, you know, another fantastic fight sequence um stuff like that and yeah she came out of nowhere and even though some gas or realization like you know people knew her she was in the film the audience in the movie were just like because it's like the hour and a half mark and yeah phasma finally it was the longest star wars film two and a half hours um yeah yeah, um he had to cut out nearly an hour yeah apparently there's a three hour cut are you serious yeah Yeah. wow i hope they do release a longer version but i don't know if they've done all the uh post-production i I, I want to see that oh yes i'll buy the blu-ray for sure (laughs) i don't care how much they charge (laughs) yeah exactly um uh, another debate that the online community is going on about um and i also felt when i first watched the movie until the revelation came about luke and um kylo's final battle Mm. i was feeling that like they turned the jedis into super saiyans a little Mm. bit just like with leia's um (laughs) survival through space and then just like watching all those um uh, walkers shoot skywalker and just stand there like like nothing's happened right. i'm just like oh god this is feeling a bit super saiyan until the reveal that like you know it's sort of like a force projection and yeah. stuff like that like and i was looking for it too it was like because it was on that um sand planet you know so like the, the, the red sand uh, so sorry salt plane salt plane yeah that was planet. a really cool effect and i was just like watching like okay so when when they go for the um uh, when kyle and go for the first strike and he goes under it, and you see the footing of Kylo yeah. on the Soul Plains. And I was looking for, okay, is there a footprints from no, Luke? And nothing. there wasn't. And but my interpretation was still like, he's that strong with the Force. Like he's sort of like, yeah. Right. I, I wasn't thinking like, okay, he's, I didn't think he was a projection at all or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. And when it actually got proven that he's a projection, like that was actually a genuine surprise for me. Like mm. I was actually a great like, reveal. I, I, yeah. yeah, I didn't see it. And the, all those details are there. You just have to. Yeah, in the second film, know, like it's like together. No, no, it's like oh wow, like yeah, they actually foreshadowed. Yeah. is very 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 well hmm. um and everything like that so we were hysterical when we we saw him in like the other planet on the mountain just meditating or like projecting his force image and then doing the brush off like that that was great that, that was, was great perfect that was timing just, yeah. yeah beautiful um yeah and what are your thoughts because initially mark hamill talked about how he disliked ryan johnson's direction of luke that's um, right yeah i did do you remember about that about it was that earlier this year where, where he sort of completely disagreed with the direction that they took with the character and he'd read an earlier script that Lawrence Kasdan wrote based on Seven but then Seven got changed at the last minute so the script that Lawrence had written for Eight um, got basic oh and it was also Colin Trevorrow who was going to do Nine 
had given him they hashed out a whole story yeah, arc the storyboarded yeah and so that's what he was really had his heart set on and then bam that all got blown out of the water by um ryan johnson so which is spelled r-i-a-n yeah R- kind of ryan johnson through me but um yeah so but now he seems reasonably happy with well it, it's, it's sort of like the whole tom hardy felt about um in mad was max also in star wars it was, yeah Tom Hardy was in Star Wars? Yeah, he was a stormtrooper. So were um, Harry and William, the princes. What? Yeah. Wow. It's been confirmed. So what I've read, yeah. Like I look yeah. for like six foot one guys. Well, I, was exactly. in, uh, I was in that Daniel Craig um, did, um, it was a Force yeah. Awakens, he was a stormtrooper. Yeah. But it's just like, yeah, any any celebrity in Pinewood Studios now, I can just like, can I have a cameo now? So what did Tom Hardy was, that Mad Max thing you were saying? Yeah, so like um, with George Miller, like he, he, he couldn't see it working on the film. Just like he was very unhappy with the way his film was going. Didn't want anything mm-hmm. to really do with it. Mm-hmm. And then when he actually saw it at a premiere, he's like, oh, wow, George. Like, I actually get what you were trying to do with my character. Like, I apologize. Like, generally, yeah. but I didn't see... I was I was ready to write this film off. And I'm like, yeah, no, I seen. So Mark sort of come around as well. Just like how his character was handled, handled in a different way. And like, yeah, like, I, I think just as much as Luke found peace with his bookend story, I think Mark Hamill found peace as well. Yeah, and he's... Acting was pitch perfect. It reminded he's, me of Harrison Ford's in uh, Blade Runner he's 2049. Best, best, so good. Best mm. version of uh, Luke Skywalker. And oh my god, that the two sons set in just like how it ended. Just mm. oh, that was tears, so man. Symbolic, like, man. Um, Apparently, he'd climbed that uh, 600 step Khan at the top of the island. Yeah, I island. thought it was all CGI, but no, that's no, a that's real a real island, island in um, island, island. Yeah, um, and he was so tired at the end of that walk that he goes all right for tomorrow we've got all these scenes again um can i just stay up here like i'll just pitch a tent but because it's a unesco heritage listed site yeah. they blocked um any idea of him setting up any kind of structure so yeah back down he went oh my god just poor thing um talking about um expectations of the film you have to know that these films are, are filmed like bit by bit and so you wouldn't see the post-production at the very end that is for these actors and so you remember when Finn and Ray, or John Voyager and Daisy Ridley saw the trailer for the first time and they had uh, that reaction yeah. because they don't see the editing process. They don't yeah. see yeah. the whole visual effects. So I think it's a natural surprise, a positive one, at least on a Mark Hamill perspective to see the final film and then have a genuine you they, know, review of it. They both it. cried, right? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, two years ago. Um, like, that's fair enough. Uh, talk to me about... The, basically the key word today for all these uh, haters is plot holes um, mm. apparently the like the things that were set up by J.J. Abrams wasn't really answered in this movie um, but this movie is really in the middle of it so just talk to me about that guys um, it is the middle film on a trilogy mm. it's supposed to be open ended and loopholes and stuff that will be discovered it's like what happened with the other um, Knights of Ren were they the Red Guards in the in Stokes room mm. or just like are they going to be the enemies that we're going to deal with nine you don't know yeah, it's they don't all, mention them at all speculation and then yeah. just like that um and obviously like obviously one of the big things is um uh how are they going to handle um layers uh carry fish that's death? something that sticks in my crawl um it does a disservice to the story in preference like the way they're giving too much and this is just my own personal opinion and i know it's problematic but basically to respect the not so much the wishes of their family because the family gave permission for them to use her image um, in whatever way they want, CGI or whatever. Um, but basically, like with Peter Cushing um, in Force Awakens. Rogue, Rogue, one. Even like, Rogue um, one? Rogue yeah. One, sorry. Uh, face palm. But basically, they might do they, a they've decided, they've made an executive decision to not use her in any way at all. Yep. Which kind of, to me, undermines the the whole sacrifice that um, Luke Skywalker made to save Leia and the spark of the new rebel. Uh, you know, so I you can't I just, pl- you can't plan can that. Like obviously, like like Heath Ledger's Joker was supposed to be the Dark Knight Rises, the original mm. plan from it, but obviously with Heath Ledger's death, they had to rewrite. Um, and then with the um, with uh, uh, Carrie Fisher's character, like they can open up with just like the new rebellion, like. My prediction is the very popular fear, fan theory out there is like episode nine, the crawl is going to start with announcing Leia's death and like yeah. it could start literally at her funeral mm. uh, or anything like that. And this might be the final thing that brings sort of the remaining planets and undecided souls together. Right. I mean, yeah, it should be a great martyr, which is yeah. another way to play it. But I just, to not have any kind of scene that... 
That is too soon. It's a film. It's all visual. So you've got to visually show at least, you know, if not a death scene per se, like it doesn't have to be gory and close up or anything, but at least, oh, here she's on this ship and then the ship blows up or something like that. A coffin could be as symbolic of her death. I mean, that's to assume that scenes of her were shot in episode nine and like what's the point of reusing stuff that was shot before if it doesn't really fit the context of, of the last one yeah no you can't um, if you they have I mean? to completely change the story then those scenes aren't going to be able to yeah you can't use them if they're not um now i think relevant. i think it's better to show it symbolically um just to continue her legacy and that would make more sense in the, in the crawl about with the sudden death or during a massive battle she gets killed oh, it's a film or something you got, you, you, it's else? not a book I mean, it's a film, so it's got to, to me. It's got to be on camera. If only like a half a second, or just a short glimpse of her, like looking up. Oh, it's coming, and then boom! Like the whole Laura Dern thing when she drove the ship into the. Um, that was just wow. gorgeous. I, I never knew she could do that. You know, she, just that there was that look of determination. There was that look of defiance, and of just this is what I was meant to do. I was my life all led up to this point where I can save. The rest of the re- rebellion and you know something like that that's all there's something i noticed in regards to laura dern's character um in the film basically like when leia says goodbye to her and um you know they short share a moment together mm. of just like and clearly it's like carrie fisher's well known just like you know yep. um uh, lesbian and um i think that's sort of like a tribute to herness mm. carrie's wishes in the film to like sort of like you know like obviously leia's moved on from Han and you know once you go solo you never go back so um huh. I think it was a very touching moment the fact that yeah. like that was that sort of like you know like her saying goodbye to a female lover in the film is like yeah, you know how probably... how that, isn't that something perfect in what was Carrie Fisher's last film it'd I, be I nice but that. I think you might be reading too much into I might be room. um but yeah I <laughs> it's just like a touching moment between two long-standing friends or I mean I don't know, they don't if they'd made out for a minute yeah for sure their body language and how they're acting I I, I think it was just implied that just like yeah these two really meant a lot to each other oh yeah Um, or anything like that Um, uh, one thing I did really love about the film though is like George Lucas is always credited um, uh, references to Kurosawa in the original trilogy um, or anything like that like Ran and um, uh, Seven Samurai Um, and uh, Ryan Johnson did the same here in this film with uh, Rashomon uh, basically, the, the story of what happened at the Jedi Temple when Luke was training them. The three different interpretations of the story mm. of what Luke told Rey, how, what um, Kylo told Rey, and then the truth. The truth. Um, like that. And I really, I really love wow. that aspect. Um, Old school Japanese style. Dude, yeah. my mind's blown right now. Like, <laughs> connecting all the dots. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, the fans that hate this film seem to like hark so much on the detail. Like I look at it, the film as a whole, it was beautiful to watch. It had strong symbolism, strong messages. Um, Luke is is not this like grandiose godhood like Jedi figure who like because the fans are like this dude's gonna be like an OP Jedi Grandmaster that's gonna kick ass and teach Rey the Jedi skills like no problem. But it, it's that conflict and, and and how he tells that the Jedi aren't perfect. And for for a lot of people, the Jedi are perfect, but to see the history in the prequels, what they did was like, they did some mistakes. The, the Jedi mm. are human as well. Um, for example, in... Um, well, was it, am I mishearing, was it Luke that said basically, yeah, Jedi, how good are we? You know, we let, we basically allowed Palpatine, at the height of their powers, we allowed this guy to turn up and, and yeah. pretty much overthrow because yeah, out of ignorance you know that yeah. the, the once guy said like i don't sense any sith and like they, they let it go they ignored it and then um i think they were going to kill palpatine in episode three instead of going through trial um because that would have been the jedi way you know go through the court system and then palpatine says you know i am the senate which was great <laughs> but you've seen the latest obviously meme where everyone's saying like start 2018 right by playing um this song at this moment and stuff like that um, for it. Um, they've done one for um, uh, the play the best Star Wars movie at like 10.48 and then at the stroke of midnight it'll be Palpatine saying, I am the Senate! <laughs> it's like, wow, like, God, oh, these people like, yeah. creativity. But it's, how do you think J.J. Abrams now is going to tackle episode 9 with all this fan backlash? Mm. You think they're just going to stay the course and fight the storm? 
with for the original vision. I didn't realise there was that much of a backlash, to be honest. I guess that's a, you're making it sound like it's almost as bad as the prequels. F- the Force Awakens. Some are. Some fans are saying like the prequels are better than this. Oh, yeah. I disagree. I it's so cold. disagree. I mean, the only thing that's good that the prequels did very, very well yep. was the choreography. The, the, the Jedi battle between Obi-Wan and Anakin is the best like Jedi lightsaber duel ever in the history of, of Star Wars cinema. But then the, the lightsaber battles in this new trilogy is just like, there's there's weight and there's um thing. It's like, it's not flippy choreography. There's it doesn't like, seem like a There's urgency. Right. There's stakes at it. Like, you know, it's like the way Kylo stance when he uh, withdraws mm. his lightsaber and stuff, like he doesn't fight like any other Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Um, or anything like that. And, uh, it's amazing. There's, but it's just funny. It's just like I just remember all the criticisms from two years ago, Force Awakens, when everyone's saying like this is too much like A New Hope, and then this movie is just now. like is yeah, nothing go, like yeah, they make something it's different. A and yeah, still fresh. Yeah, it's like you just uh, that. That's the proof in the pudding, though. Yeah. It's like you can never satisfy the absolute mm. hardcore Star Wars fans. You can only really trust your heart. This is getting really cheesy now, um, and and just see the audience at the time of the cinema, which was outrageously positive and happy and such a great ride and we all like clapped at the end and then yeah. especially to the tribute to Carrie Fisher at the end of the credits mm. um, it was a fantastic ride man I, I really enjoyed it yeah. I don't care what the haters say Just, yeah, I, I don't think J.J. Abrams um, is going to let that bother him too much I mean no. this guy's been around since the early 80s writing he he wrote regarding Henry yeah, Harrison, yeah real auto sort of um, critically acclaimed masterpieces you know almost he's touched Almost every genre. So, I mean, you know, he's got a... Sure, there's some ego there, but obviously with the skills and talent he's got, that's just going to power it forward. And um, with the producers behind it, like Lawrence Kasdan and um, Kathy... This is Disney Woman, executive producer, Mm. Kath- yeah. Kathleen, Kennedy. Kathleen Kennedy. 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 Kathleen Kennedy. Kathleen yeah. Kennedy. Um, well, she's you know she's had faith and she's given Ryan, Ryan Johnson a, a, tri- a trilogy of his own. Yeah. Well, they offered him to do nine, and he refused because it was a short production schedule. Yep. He thought it was too tight. Yep. So he could just give me three standalone movies. Or yeah. Just like, like and like it's like yeah, it's giving like all these um, nameless, faceless voices in the and the in the galaxy just like there's so many new, new stories you can tell now that don't focus around the skywalker yeah struggles and on a real point of view i love that these future star wars films will give fresh faces uh these actors you know who who heard of like kelly marie tran honestly or john boyega yeah and apparently that? she lied to pretty much everyone including her parents who she sent maple syrup to because she told them she was working on a really small indie film in Canada. <laughs> oh, that's so, great. That's but so yeah, I, I really love the opportunity of like diverse actors, like new faces, and then they'll, they'll be home home names in the future. It's great. Yeah, uh, I hope to see more of her, honestly, because other than being a person of colour, um, you know, she's that. not that typical six foot two, you know, petite, waif-like, yet impossibly strong, um, what do they call it, Mary Sue type character? You know, where they're just... Everything they do is perfect. Like, Ray kind of got accused of being a Mary Sue. Yeah. Um, in Force Awakens. But, you know, she's... Yeah, just a headstrong... Well, Rose literally enters the film, basically, sort of like the fans that we are. Yeah. Just, like, losing the stuff over, you're the hero I've heard of and stuff, and all. oh, my God, you're amazing and stuff and all that. Yeah. You know, it's sort of a reflection of the audience. And then her growth throughout the film is a reflection of the audience during the experience in star wars and stuff mm. and like the sacrifice they make at the end is like sort of telling us what we need to do as fans as well um to like you know not 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 hate think not do something out of hate but do it out of love um i mean the so, scene with her sister in the beginning i just oh, God, oh, broke my heart. Yeah. Wow. i was like wow this is going to be a dark ride yeah, yeah. um the, that set the tone i think um in terms of the, the stakes and yeah it felt like there were really worse stakes the, be- the best thing that summed it up for me on Facebook about all the haters and critics review basically was um on Star Wars Edit Droid and it's basically just to say to help JJ plan episode 9 here's the perfect formula after reading all the comments from fans about The Last Jedi so you need to make it the same as the original trilogy but also make it different but don't change anything make sure to include surprises but not surprises we don't want in <laughs> fact avoid surprises but yep. don't re don't rehash anything also don't try something new because we won't like it make sure you to do justice to the cast but we won't say how but make sure you get it right i want it to be exactly the way i want it just a bit different and also the same 
but make sure we know the backstory of all the characters over the incidental and the, of the incidental ones because we are all speculating you better be reading my mind but leave it mysterious at the same time no cgi keep it practical but make sure to expand the universe like the prequels did you know using cgi also don't do anything <laughs> the prequels did or force awakens or the original trilogy but make it like um those films too give it some humor too but don't make it too funny uh, show uh, show us some new force powers, but not ones we haven't seen before because new powers are ridiculous. <laughs> Don't kill anyone. It um, it betrays my childhood, but also make it unpredictable by killing off a few characters. Bravo, bravo, yeah, bravo. That, that was really the internet has spoken. Yeah. Wow that that whole thesis <laughs> described every single fan's reaction, comment, review, video response, everything. You, no film will be perfect for everybody. Yeah. That is completely true. But this film succeeds in its freshness, in its unique direction. It's completely unpredictable to every other Star Wars film I've seen. And my God, it, it just... doesn't hurt that it succeeds financially. Oh, yeah. The second highest domestic gross in the US after The Force Awakens. That's um, insane. Anything like that in the first week um, or anything like that. And like... It's funny, it's just like even the criticisms the films get, people are going back to watch it to feed off, to reaffirm yeah. their criticism, and they're paying this to get a thing. It's like, so it's amazing how, you know, Disney's acquired Fox. Mm. Yeah. This is, this is how they get their money. <laughs> like, right. Um, I mean, how much did they pay? $45 billion or something. Yeah, something like that. Wow. Uh, that's like, going to be... Because, yeah, Fox had about oh, about 11% market share when it came to films in the mm. last five years. There's definitely some big pros and cons with yeah. that purchase. Um, yeah, we can have the X-Men and Fantastic Four meet the Avengers possibly or however they're going to play that out but now there's only six buyers yeah. for product so there's a lot less places to shop scripts yeah less studios less shopping less opportunities it's like what happened in the wrestling industry when you buy at your competition you know it, it breeds stagnus yes because uh, you're not trying to um, one up each other or anything like that there's no that. innovation or creativity mm-hmm. because exactly. they the are the monopoly of the business jobs, yeah so that's my fear is that Disney is now the monopoly of cinema and so they are like buying the little studios or like, uh, uh, what's going to happen to Sony and all the other pictures? Well, obviously they're working deal with Sony when it comes to Spider-Man. And obviously that, you know, that means they're talking and stuff. So that can breed. Um, so the thing is, Sony is bigger than the um, uh, Hollywood cinema thing because it's a technology company beforehand. You know, so making products and stuff. And then they've got Sony Music and Sony Pictures um, and Sony Computer Entertainment or Sony Interactive Entertainment now. Right. Um, so like, yeah, so it is bigger in different franchises the biggest competition to um uh disney is warner brothers um you know and they of they course. own dc um they own dc and harry potter um and like they, they have um, a whole bunch of different other franchises as well um or anything like that but yeah the amount of franchises that fox that has been picked up for this fox bid you know obviously we think oh yeah we're gonna get the x-men and stuff and all that but then it's all the little franchises like some of the movies that even came out this year like war of the planet of the apes that's fox um uh the aliens franchise is fox um and then obviously fox television like simpsons uh, uh, family family guy um or anything like that and then so many different um different assets insane purchase by disney listing those shows alone iconic shows for like decades and then all i hear on the internet is you're gonna make deadpool PG thirteen and like, no. oh Disney has been making R eighteen movies since the eighties through yeah. Touchstone Pictures and uh, Miramax. Even. Miramax, yeah, um, I mean, or anything God. like that, and like you know, so good old Harvey. Yeah, good old Harvey. You know, <laughs> <laughs> speaking um, of which, and speaking of Deadpool, TJ Miller, the side, not really a sidekick, but kind of like a foil to Deadpool, who ran the bar. That's how who and I know him is apparently he's a comedian. Yeah, he's in he Silicon Valley and like yeah, he's a good comedian. Um, um, he's been in a few other films. Um, I feel like that he was in. Um, he was the voice of the emoji in the emoji. Oh, movie. that's right. He was in that too. So apparently, you won't be seeing much more of him. Yeah. So lots of uh, women have recently come out accusing him of harassment and a little bit rough in the bedroom. So yeah, bye. Wow. That's terrible, man. Another, but, yep, another one bites the dust. Although yeah. I think his reputation within studios and stuff was always a bit bad. He, he left Silicon Valley to go pursue because of like emoji movies, like oh. what comedy should be. I should be making this stuff. <laughs> so yeah, How can very, you say that with a straight face? I know. Great so, well, choice in the career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but going back to Star Wars, obviously, like yeah. you know, we we hit up a lot of spoils of what we thought, but let's give a quick, mm. a normal review thing of how we think. So then all up, um, you know, 
how do you see how you see it in the in the saga and as a film and what do you, what do you give it out of your rating? Wow, loaded question. Um, first of all, I two years ago I, I gave my review to Force Awakens. It was amazingly nostalgic. It was a perfect bridge and it was a fantastic filmmaking. Uh, this one is one, many levels. What above. would you rate Force Awakens? I I gave it initially nine point three. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, hang on, <laughs> that, I might have to review that score again, but. Last Jedi um, was a film that I could not keep my eyes off because the story arcs, the predictable tropes or the cliches, it was completely switched off, right? Luke Skywalker wasn't the Luke Skywalker that I grew up with. Um, People that are supposed to die didn't die and vice versa. Um, A lot of humor, a lot of porgs. That was my only gripe was porgs, but that's just a minor gripe. Uh, visually stunning. I think it was the most visually stunning Star Wars film I've seen, some of the effects. Um, one iconic scene that you guys will remember this is when uh, Laura Dern charges towards the destroyers and then there was complete silence. Yeah. Abs- absolute yeah, silence. Same thing the space in Star Wars has always been loud about explosions and, and stuff. Yeah, that and was have that actual silence. Beautiful. Oh, beautiful. But also that the audience was struck absolutely. in the silence with awe so, at this amazing... Just this, oh, I'm ne- that's never going to leave my mind is yeah as i my synapses fire in the last moments of my so life similarly to disaster artists where we we cried we laughed with the character this this had a a whole uh plethora of emotions and um it was very emotional and i i think it touched a villain nostalgia loved the yoda um loved the evolution and i absolutely can't wait to see what ray has in store for me and kylo ren and finn and of course poe so I'm gonna give it nine point six out of ten because I think it's the like my top three favorite Star Wars films. Wow! Yeah. Okay. What are the other two? What are the other two? Um, Rogue One and Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll be up there somewhere. Probably just a hard nine. Um, yeah, there, there was a scene with the Pogues where Chewbacca was. Um, Eating some, I hope it was chicken. I don't know if it was just a pork that he pork chicken. That was, was pork. That, that was the joke. It was a pork. It was pork. He killed two <laughs> porks. Was frying up, and then everyone they just they guilt tripped him. Just like, yeah. you're not going to eat that, are you? Like, yeah, you kill our friends, and then that's when he became sort of like took them in. Yeah, and then he's brushing them off yeah. seats in the Millennium Falcon. Um, yeah, it was definitely edgy enough to please a modern audience. Um, it was unpredictable. It had a, like the practical effects side of it was amazing. Um, apparently, he was a little ambitious in filming it. He tried to set up 180 different sets. In the end, it had to only be 120. Yeah, like practi- I heard about this like one. Actual yes. built sets, um, <laughs> and they crazy. approved it. I was reading an interview with the one of the producers, and they said, "Yeah, we'll say yes, but we know he's bitten off more than he can chew, and we're only going to say yes because we know that he's, there's no way he can do it." And yeah. So that's that's how it worked out. And they were going to film a lot of scenes in Mexico City, um, but they had problems with the local government. I guess the bribes weren't big enough or something. Well, I would have so, thought Coco would have influenced that. The other Disney movie that came out that's doing massive numbers. Yeah. Uh, that's, I really can't wait for Just absolutely Coco. killed the uh, Justice League. Yeah. Um, oh. And, you know, in comparison, like, a fully fleshed out, vaguely... Like, I'm still a bit on the fence with Kylo Ren I still don't quite get I'm not in his head with his battle between the light and the dark like I'm just like be a nice guy why is it so hard to do but um, like that's always troubled me with the whole being drawn to the dark side thing I can't really quite empathise enough with that but he does a damn good job I mean his acting is really up there and he's he's tortured emo it makes more sense in this one like it, it just looks like a teenage tantrum mm. in Force Awakens yeah. but in this it really seems that, that a bit scene more where he sees the Millennium Falcon and just mm. like everyone just shoot the shit out of that that piece <laughs> of shit it's just like yeah it's just like that's raw emotion and sort of with the Kylo thing it's just like I don't think it's it's great it's not about him being towards the light of the dark mm. he sees what he's doing as the right way of um just like get rid of the Jedi, get rid of the rebellion, just wipe the slate clean. Yeah, it's almost like just... a nihilistic. Everything before has to be destroyed, so I can begin anew. It's, it's kind of um... Kylo Millennial. Yeah, but uh, everything old is new again, um, and that's where the rebellion's taken. We need to respect our traditions, but also forge ahead and yes. blah blah blah. But yeah, so that's my a nine, and just I really look forward to 
number nine, yep. uh, which hopefully will also be as enjoyable. Um, I don't know what else I've got to look forward to other than Infinity Wars um, coming up cinema-wise. Uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, you've you've mentioned that uh, three billboards thing, but that's more of a niche, like award chaser. Yeah, that's what sucks uh, about being Australia is we don't we get mm. all the Oscar buzz movies like late January yeah. in independent uh, cinemas. Okay. Before before the Oscars in February, yeah. they've already been out for two months now in the states mm. and you know all the reviews and all the things are trickling down and like i already know a lot about all these movies already and it's just like i just want to that's why i was lucky to get that advanced screening of um free billboards before it came out on new year's day just like you know just like, oh it's like margaret and dave being there was a bonus it was just more just like did you I say get to anything see this movie three weeks no i didn't like you know they oh. were just doing a q and a i didn't ask any questions i'm just like oh, okay because oh. i, I yeah. watched uh a peter weir film back in the 80s yep. and david and margaret were there for that oh, wow. and I went up to them in the, there's like a little kind of where everyone's drinking in the bar yeah because yep. I think it was a Capitol Theatre mm. somewhere like that that must have been that one just near Pitt Street Mall because it's a really nice cinema it had all the lights and the, it's beautiful Ooh, um, just a little uh, yep. yep sorry uh, just and yeah so I, I went up but I was like 12 so I yeah. had that whole sort of disarming like oh hi um, really love your show and he was like ah you're the one who watches it um, so I just I'll never forget how nice he was and you know gave me a lot more time than he had to so yeah just great guy I, I, had, a, I had a similar moment that happened to me at an advanced screening um, I got to go to an IGN screening of um, Skyfall um, the Blu-ray release so the Blu-ray yeah. so the movie would come out and it was just Blu-ray it's been released on Blu-ray so they were just showing like a little private screening on the cinema again for like 30 people um, and Peter Campbell was there. Peter Campbell was the second unit director. Oh. So he done all the stunt work. He directed all the stunt work. Yeah, and like, yeah. he had a little Q&A before the film and stuff and all that. And they played the Blu-ray. And, you know, I went to the bar to get a martini. They were serving free martinis. Oh. Um, and he was there and stuff and all that. And like, um, um, just started talking to him because he was also the unit director, the action director for Goldeneye. So, you know, I was like, yeah, I didn't participate in the Q&A bit and stuff, but like, I hang out at a bar and drank martinis with him talking about how he did the St. Petersburg tank scene, oh. like, you know, which is like one of his personal favorite things he's ever filmed. And that was, yeah, that, that was amazing. But pretty much, yeah, it was just like over a drink, just put not without like an audience or anything like that. Just That's great, like, man. No yeah. ego. It was just no, like no. Yeah. So humble. Just like professional. Yeah. It's just like, you know, I was like, I am, I'm not media. I'm not. You know, you know, I wasn't back. Media pass, media pass. Pretty much, yeah. I was just like, I was just, a, I was just a fan who won an online comp. And That's like, awesome. Yeah, it's yeah, just like, yeah. but wasn't like the whole, oh, hey, so like, you know, just more like just having a conversation. Um, so yeah, so for me to sum up the last Jedi, I've always been open that Star Wars isn't um, like I'm not a huge passionate Star Wars fan as much as all my friends are. I enjoy them. I, you know, I've watched all of them. I own all of them and stuff. I'm not the type of person to get a tattoo or you know, because a lot of my friends are sure. really hardcore. Star Wars fans. Um, this film, like I said, like, yeah, point as a viewpoint, I had to see it twice to get my full bearings about it and honestly say, so, yeah, I, I rather enjoyed it. I enjoyed it way more than The Force Awakens um, and anything like that and the prequels. Um, I'm always going to have a soft spot for The Return of the Jedi. Um, and, um, yeah, just like the direction they're going, like, you know, the, the, the big floor is, the big, sorry, the big uh, worry is always like when you have Disney dealing with something like this you'll think what's the corporate um involvement going to be what is what are these you know billion, millionaire stakeholders going to influence this treasured franchise you know stuff to like you know you know oh yeah they they might be responsible for the porgs being there or something like that um or anything like that but like yeah just generally how it's been handled um or anything like that i genuinely liked it i i I get people's hate on the. I can see how they interpret that as hardcore Star Wars fans and not enjoying it straight away and the radical changes. But like, yeah, it's just as a logical, just like step back and enjoy it for what it is and mm. see it again and see if it like literally just like see if listen to Luke what Luke is literally telling you and Luke has been your idol for forty years. Like, yeah. listen to what he says. You know, you was like that, that's what I loved about the film. Actually, it's it's very meta towards its fans it's very very not fourth wall breaking but very just like you know it's just like it's it's meta foreshadowing not about like what's happening in the plot but what's happening with star wars in general what the series and like those who took that on board and stuff and all have enjoyed it for the most um so yeah i'm just gonna give it a 9.1 
um, or anything like that because you got you took the hard nine I was already thinking of, um, or anything like that. But like yeah, generally like you know it's not it's not it's not it's not in my top ten of the year. In all honesty, um, the Star Wars film I sort of agree with you. I'd be in my top five yeah. um, for Star Wars movies. Um, but yeah, I, I I went there at Pleasant Surprise. I went to the cinema with um, a co-worker who's just like not a hardcore nerd fan, but loves Star Wars. Like she just that, that was her childhood thing, and she just enjoyed it. And she's not like a, a keyboard warrior. It's just like I was. I came out of the cinema confused, and she was just like just just generally as just like a a passionate fan without the whole Hollywood Disney viewpoint, and just saying like no, like this was like this and like this is what I saw it's like it was great and like I like this bit and like and it really was put in respect it's like wow it's just like the vocal minority that we listen to and deal with all the time really doesn't reflect the um, silent majority of film goers who just like the new Star Wars movies out yeah, mm. absolutely Star Wars movies are never going to be like those straight out of the box action movies where you walk out and I've been to quite a few where you can't remember what happened. You say, I think that was good, but you really have to you struggle to recall any actual scenes or back and forths. Whereas, you know, yeah, there's a whole bunch like that. And you know, with this, that's never going to be like. Even though I'm not a hardcore tattoo getting fan, I can still recall 90% of the film. Yeah. Um, like a bunch of days later which for me is it just shows how impactful it is even like a week later after viewing Mm. and i love your comment about how meta it is towards the fans because that yoda scene really talks about passing of the guard and like just not forget about the past but just to move on because this is 40 years after new hope and we need to not only evolve the filmmaking but let let the old fans just get rid of that tight grip of their hardcore fandom and then let other people enjoy it without them spreading their toxicity and their pedantic hates with minor details that sure it may drag the film down in their eyes but as an overall picture with strong symbolism with new direction with a fresh take on this franchise that is beloved by millions around the world and it bypasses all cultures including my parents who have no idea what the heck is going on except there's like that gr- that slug guy that made this woman wear a bikini <laughs> back in the day. And yeah. like, they get that, right? It's a comic and, imagery from when they were, yeah. yeah. Apparently you don't call a slave layer anymore. Oh, God. <laughs> They've gone it's, politically correct. On, yeah, yeah. It's some other more empowered name. So it's just so empowering, yeah, as mm. for, for a film to transcend culture and, and this is no different. So, um, yeah. Any, any final words from you guys? Um, just a reflection of that. Like, I think the perfect structure for like something that's nostalgic and loved but like reinterpreted and done for different generations and different fans i look towards the teenage mutant ninja turtle series both just the cartoons and the movies and stuff and all that like everyone's getting you know our friends always hold on to that 80s cartoon and stuff and then there was the brilliant like live action stuff and then like the early 2000 tv series that was just completely different and like killed shredder off in the first um episode just like they did in the comics there's a ninja turtles cartoon that came out and it combined all the different eras yeah. of Ninja Turtles for like what Power Rangers really does that. I think yeah. that's sort of like great it's just like you know people who love who feel like this is part of my childhood can have that bit but it's like it's it's redefined for everyone else's childhood and the same is sort of said with Star Wars like you know from like the Clone Wars to like the Cartoon Network um, Samurai Jack style TV series um, mm. everything like that and then obviously we got new Star Wars things coming up um, anything like that in games and stuff and obviously the people who grew up on the expanded universe books from the 80s and 90s to like all the new graphic novels and literature that's all canon now and stuff like that like it as I said like it's 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 all spread out over that 40 years and like you know it's just like you know take from what and then people the fans like for all I know is it's like all the force tricks in the Jedi in the last Jedi were Jedi powers used in different mediums and stuff that i just don't know and because i don't know it, why do i need to like disagree with it or hate it yeah well something the director said was every single star wars film introduced a new force power to serve the story so this doesn't somehow buck that trend no so and people tend tend to forget that the star wars expanding universe is massive like the novels for example is a great example the video games uh the cartoon network stuff star wars rebels right and so if you're a fan that's seen seen read or heard every single piece of expanded universe content 
Holy smokes. But the fact is, not everyone has. Holy smoke. Holy cow. <laughs> was that actor for Snoke, the guy from Game of Thrones and Lannister father? No, the actor for Snoke is... Um, Benedict? No. Um, Andy Serkis? Oh, Andy Serkis, thank you, yeah. Oh, wow. Caesar from um, yeah, Lord of Rings and Gollum. So the ultimate motion capture um, artist. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And another, there was two other bits of trivia. The name of uh, Benicio Del Toro's hacker character. DJ. DJ. It's an acronym for Don't, Don't Join. Join. Yep. Hey. How did you know that? Oh, IMDb, bro. IMDb. <laughs> um, I saw an IGN article. That's great. Yeah. That's see, that's, um, that's little facts. I love it. And what's her name? Uh, Ray's the actress that plays Ray, Daisy Ridley, uh, the main fight scene choreographer guy that had to train them all on how to use the lightsabers. The sequence where she's practicing it by herself and chops off that piece of rock. Um, she uh, learned that in an hour and a half, and he said that normally takes anyone else I've ever taught. A good two and a half days. Wow. Yeah, like a minimum awesome. of two days to learn those moves, like to do it in one whole sequence. So, yeah. Yeah, she's With a real clever natural. editing, of course. Yeah, so it's good to see that physical side, like the Spider-Man actor, um, they can really be a jack of all trades. Like they've got the acting down, they've got the physical part of it down, so she's not just shoehorned in to some role. Like say Natalie Portman in Black Swan, where it's like, well, okay, she can kind of dance, but we'll just superimpose her face onto an actual dancer right you know right. like sure they must have used some stunt doubles but they sure you know, did <laughs> they sure in star wars but you know i think 90 percent of it would have been the actors yeah no a lot of that's happening in hollywood recently where a lot of actors are really learning the craft to get it like miles teller learning to drum for whiplash or um um uh, yeah different so like in um uh, Gosling, like, yeah, he's a bit of a... He's always been a musician, but, like, that to get to that level, to, like, piano playing in, like, La La Land, um, to be a jazz pianist is one of the hardest things to do um, or anything like that. So, yeah, just not, it's just not just physical fight and choreography. Like, you know, like, Keanu Reeves always goes hardcore when it comes to his um, training, whether, oh, yeah. whether it be for the John Wick series or the Matrix. And Tom, Tom Cruise I really wouldn't as well. want to Yeah, Tom Cruise. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, I wouldn't want to fight either of those dudes. Like, I wouldn't want to fight most people, but those guys can really handle themselves. Tom Hardy recently chased down a burglar not a burglar a mugger um he'd seen him grab a handbag and jump on a scooter and he chased the scooter knew somehow which road it was going down ran through four backyards landed in front of the guy and just tackled him basically off the scooter and then held him as a citizen's arrest until the police arrived wow so, Good for him. because your criminals are not protected by the harvey dent law <laughs> based on a lie well, this isn't the Dark Knight Rises review, but uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen... Best movie of the trilogy. Oh. oh, shots fired. Well, this has been a wonderful uh, review by all of you gentlemen here. Uh, I absolutely love it. We all loved it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, the, the movie, I highly recommend you guys see it again. Um, it's worth a second watch or even a third watch if you're a hardcore fan in cosplay. Uh, well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening to Banana Split Podcast, episode 21. My name is Vin. My name is Patrick. And my name is David. And grab some dessert and get the hell out of here. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Braintrust Brothers Network. For more information about this podcast or others, visit braintrustbros.com. 